0: This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. I am one star. It is time for where is my mind a deep dive into curtis rich i am of course curtis rich and this is the second part of my interview with old school editing james and i want to thank him once again for coming on this podcast it was such a great conversation and i enjoyed editing this podcast so hope you guys enjoy it here's part two brought to you by oiw network go to oiw Podcastnetwork.com for all our great shows, including Where Is My Mind? Honestly, we all like the, the merch is the best way to make money, especially in this business, just because, like, yeah, you burn more of your money going through your gas and getting your travel and then your stay and everything, which is why there's so many wrestlers. Like, you even hear about like Roddy Piper, like, literally sleeping in cars because he just didn't want to spend his very little pay. To get a hotel room and everything, like, yeah, and they're... you see, that's the
1: big difference is um, they were full time re- workers.
0: Yeah, and there
1: aren't very. I, I can name you two, maybe three wrestlers in Ontario who are working, you know, wrestling full time. There yeah. aren't very many. Not they have many. normal jobs and they work, and then they come after work and uh, spend their money, the money they make, to do that. So I mean, uh, you don't have a lot of wrestlers who own houses or have, you know, the they just don't they they put it back into the business and back into their cars and, but i guess my point was um, a strike against you is if you don't live in the hamilton area or the saint Catharines area or the you know toronto area you're usually driving at one or two people or you know that kind of thing Your
0: carpooling. And, and
1: that's how you make money You carpool yeah exactly and and you know you're actually a prophet. I don't profit. I don't make any money. I, I really don't. My wife wants to kill me, but I just go, my wife plays hockey. So I go, hey, you pay 500 bucks a year to play hockey. I said, I break even. So I said to do my hobby. So it works out. And I, you know, I meet lots of nice people. And I have, you know, like to say that, I mean, of my, I mean, at one point I had 3,000 I cut it down to about 1,500 friends on Facebook. And I can put a name to almost every a name and face to almost everyone, And most of them are wrestling fans. So, and I like to have chats with them. And, and uh, I don't know if Barry people know, but I mean, I, you know, Ray comes up from Hamilton to watch the Barry shows. I've seen, uh, you know, people from all over Ontario come, come to the Barry shows. So it's not just Barry people coming there because it's, it's, it's a good show. You, you are lucky if you aren't Barry. It's probably the biggest kept secret in Ontario. It is yep. such a good show. And uh, on, on level with most Toronto shows, to be honest, with the exception of maybe Creek town being prejudiced since I'm still working for them. <laughs> uh,
0: I but, mean, uh, that, that may change now because Barry just got the uh, Indy, the Ontario Indy promotion of the year. I just
1: saw that way to go, Barry wrestling. They deserve it and, and, and they deserve it because they quietly, you know, Barry guys are, well, these are the nice, you know, I'm going, no, no, that's a main event in any arena in, in Ontario. And guess what? That was the fourth match. It wasn't even a main event. You know, it was like, i don't know like john atlas is one of my favorites this guy is amazing and and you got holden albright who's just one of my favorites and you got all these people on wrestling Fuerza, vertigo these guys are you know in demand all over ontario alexia um you've just got such a great crew and uh um even the the the, the mid-level guys you're getting ron t legend travis moore these guys are in demand all over the ontario so i mean um, you're lucky, Barry. You know you don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to go. When I was younger, I had to go to Toronto to see a show. I didn't get to go down to Barry and, you know, you know, drive 20 minutes to see a good show. So, very, and very lucky. Fall. I hope you appreciate it. Appreciate it by going and spending your money. That's the best thing
0: to do. See, I, I, when I, when I got brought on board as production, just to give Barry Wrestling a platform, just so then they can get their. Their name out there, so then we could no longer be the show that's just like, oh, just kept secret, no one knows about us unless we promote some like big name like Evil Uno or something. Yeah, I really wanted to take it away from that and give a highlight for all these guys that not aren't too well known, like Luke Graham or Travis Moore or Bronte Legend, and it's just yeah. I want to give them a platform that they can not only hone their craft on, but they can get their name out there. And, and that's the whole idea. And I'm just yeah. I'm so proud of just not only all the work that we did over the last two years to really get that reward, but just all the crazy crazy hardships and just everything that we had to. Well, go I through think if before. you're if you're
1: a promoter today, I think social media is so important, and I don't know if the old school promoters get it that you've got to have content on social media, and and content is the big word now. And if you don't have, I mean, I use it myself. I'm uh, Chad. Uh, who, wrestles as warhead and uh, works for one of my favorite promotions death proof um we've always teased each other that we're the kings of social media because neither one of us are you know i'm 67 he's i i've been working with him since 2000 as a wrestler 2001 or two and uh we're both he's battered and bruised and i'm the. it and we keep coming on because we've got good social media presence you know i have a you know and i will promote whatever wherever i'm working as much as i can and you know get into conversations i'll talk to any fan i mean in, unless you get totally annoying which really hasn't happened i can't say that's really really happened
0: uh,
1: right. you know just don't get political with me because i'm you know i won't i won't tolerate that but if you want to talk wrestling i'll talk wrestling anytime you want to um although i don't watch any of them other than the <laughs> But social media is so important. I mean, I've got all the all the you know social media, which I'm sure you'll ask me at the end of the show to promote them. But uh, yeah, I'm even on TikTok if you want to watch me dance.
0: I believe I follow you on TikTok actually. But I want to bring it back a little bit because you did talk that you got training at HPW with Rip Impact and you donned the tights as Zumba King. Um, I want to. Ask you how different the training was versus refereeing versus like being a wrestler because I know you've taken bumps in the past so you're very familiar with that. But I just want to know like how different of the training was it between that and what was your goal? Was it just to have fun or were you trying to see if that would benefit your your refereeing even more? Well, I
1: think I think uh, you have to remember back in two thousand when I started there was maybe four promotions in all of Ontario. Yeah, I was lucky. I walked into it. I mean, I'm the first one. Some wrestlers have never forgiven me because it was kind of um, I used to stand outside Maple Leaf Gardens. And I like I told you before, I take the subway by myself, didn't know anybody because it, it wasn't cool to be a wrestling fan in 1969 or 1970 yeah. when I was in high school. So there was a group of us that just sort of hung out. We didn't know each other for anything. But we just saw the same guys every week. So you start saying hi. And um, so one of these friends was a guy named Ron Hutchison. He was just a 17 year old kid. And one day he comes back and we found out he had trained for wrestling. How? Why? We didn't know anything about training. There was no social media. I didn't know you could train to be a wrestler. Of course, I'm 27 at the time. Annoying. Um, I, didn't, I, mean, I just didn't know. I didn't drive. I lived at Finch and Young. Why would I drive? It was a subway ride anywhere. So we met each other down there. Um, so I asked him one year, 30 years later, if he remembered me. And he did. And um, I said, is there anything I can do in wrestling? I said, I'm just i mean, I'm 45 years old. Is there anything that I could possibly do? He says, yeah. Our commissioner is leaving. Maybe you could be commissioner. <laughs> the commissioner was Trish Stratus. Yeah. So I was supposed to take over that job. But instead, he decided to run this tournament at the Canadian National Exhibition, the c and which was every day at a the CNE, and e the Ironman thing. And uh, so he says, well, come down and watch that and we can chat. So we, I went down. And he says, by the way, do you have any running shoes in your car? Um, yeah. Good. Let's go grab them. You're reffing the next match. <laughs> um, pardon? Pardon me? <laughs> so my first match was August 18th, 2000. First, uh, it was VJ uh, uh, Singh, who was a local wrestler who was way underrated. He was really good. He was actually a uh, martial artist uh, in real life. Um. And he passed away, unfortunately, uh, very young uh, against Kazarni or, you know, Sinboe is his name. And that uh, was a 15 minute draw. And uh, that was my training. Holy. Get in the ring. And and I just, I made it up. I didn't, the, the big criticism I got that year was hit the mat harder. So I did that and I had a bruise on my forearm, the entire forearm.
0: Oh, geez. I hit it
1: so hard because I was so afraid, but I never had any formal training. In fact, the first training I ever got was in the year 2010, I want to say, and that's when Jimmy Corderas was unceremoniously dumped from the WWF or whatever it was that week, WWF or WWE, and uh, being the longest reigning referee at the time, um, he put on a seminar, and I met all my friends from Ontario, Brian Renda and Sam sino down in the St. Catharines way, and all of us referees. In fact, your announcer was there Dustin and uh, I we reminisced about that and uh, so we chatted and we did this seminar and like a lot of us are going well I've never really had any training before yet we were the referees for Ontario so uh, we learned a lot there and then his you know assistant Harry D who had some WCW and everything now he's doing destiny and stuff and now he threw on some seminars and the last seminar I took was from Hornet so I mean you know from NXT So, I mean, there are things available now, but at the time there wasn't. And if you're a young guy and asking, you know, what can I do to be a referee, which is the number one question I get, go to a wrestling school, learn how to do things. Now, my bumps, as you said, I don't actually do bumps. Jimmy Corderas, um, between you and me, if we get hit, he always says crumble. Ah. Don't bump because that makes wrestlers look I mean it, my job you know I'm a referee I, if I get hit I don't know I'm getting hit I don't know what's you know it's, it's, it's usually an accident yeah and I just you know you fall naturally you just fall and um, you know I do wear knee pads underneath my black pants and uh, so if I go down to my knees it's not too painful but you, you, you're you not going to see me do a flat bump on my back because I wouldn't know how to do it and you know I trained I, I was terrible at it and that that was one thing I had a real hard time bumping, but I wanted to bump because what happens if somebody knocks into me, the way they learn how to bump, you know, you use your body, you use your whole body so you don't land at one point. Because yep. You know, if you land on your elbow, you land on your wrist, you land, that's when you get hurt. If you land, take the, uh, the the impact with your whole body, it doesn't, you know, it's not going to affect you so much. I still find that hard to do and, and, and um no, more normally if you get knocked over you're not gonna take a flat bump. You're gonna take a flat bump with a you know, some kind of big move, but not not if you just get knocked into, which is usually what happened when Daniel Garcia and his partner got me with in that match against the fraternity in Barry. I mean, I wasn't expecting that. It was like somebody moved out of the way, next thing I know I got a kick in the face. So, you know, I just fell down. I, it looks awkward and stupid, but you know, that's the way we fall. So most of us don't take a bump when we fall like in real life so,
0: <laughs> we crumble yeah.
1: but the training the training with rip was amazing um he kept saying that he was impressed he's, he's one he, he he has the same philosophy i do he makes people feel good about themselves he'll train basically anybody you got to remember when i was young you couldn't train unless you were 200 pounds yep the schools wouldn't even accept you so ron Hutchinson had a thing i think his was 190 pounds and um think about how many wrestlers in ontario would not be able to train training was not a big advertised thing it was kind of a you know you you went under somebody's wing and uh you know uh that kind of thing you know wrestling schools were just starting out i'm talking 1970s and stuff when i would have been an age that i actually could wrestle so i i didn't do it because i didn't think there was any opportunity i didn't know there was the opportunity i didn't know when Ron Hutchison trained, I was like, what? There's a school you can go to? I didn't know that. I thought everybody was just an ex NFL player, okay. you know, or an amateur wrestler. So uh, I didn't even try. I didn't, you know, when I had a teaching career started, when I was, you know, 30, I had a, you know, a daughter. So it was like, I couldn't really travel. And I had a house in Oregon and everything else on Grove Street, uh, beautiful Berry. Um, so, I mean, uh, the idea of going back at 45, but you heard me earlier say I taught at 31. So I was late at everything. I'm a late bloomer. I'm late to the party all the time. Wrestled my first match at 63. uh, Took my training at 62. Um, That's not true. I actually wrestled twice before I actually had any training because I was part of a 10-man tag one time um, in, in Kitchener. And I also did a battle royal where I beat Sebastian Suave, threw him over the top. Now. He didn't actually know I was in the battle royal at the time, <laughs> but he was cheering <laughs> thinking he won. And I ripped my referee shirt off and tossed him over and won the bot match. So that was kind of a claim to fame. And that was much earlier, um, you know, Oshawa or Port Perry, I believe it was. Um, so, yeah, uh, it, it's been a fun ride. And, and as I said, everything, I, everything I learn, I, I've done battle royals where, you know, the, the, the last rum, the first rumble I did in my comeback here is Zumba King. And Zumba King, by the way, Steve, and I cannot pronounce his last name, it starts with A, or Riganomond, I don't know. But he works for TSN and uh, he's the announcer for Greek 10. And basically, as I was coming out, he says, what do you want me to call you? And I said, I don't know. And he says, well, you do Zumba. He says, yeah, Zumba King. And that was, that was <laughs> it. That's how fast we made it up. It was not anything big thing. I do Zumba to train for people who don't know. It's a Latin dancing thing. And, um, so I came out and the first guy I faced was Wardlow. (laughs) So if you've seen him with the multiple power bomb thing on AEW, uh, when I look back, basically what happened, it was John Atlas and and him in the ring with me and, uh, John Atlas, uh, ran at me. I moved out of the way, I guess it was the other way around. Wardlow was coming at me. I moved out of the way and knocked John Atlas out. And then I turn around and see Wardlow and I just left. I left. I, I <laughs> yeah. must admit, I quit. I gave up. Ain't worth it. <laughs> it. Ain't worth it. That's on my YouTube site if you ever get a chance to see it. I think it's at Eddie Old School. I'm not uh-huh. sure, but...
0: I did see it. It's yeah. Great. So look
1: at, look at, you know, watch the, uh, look at my, find, find my YouTube channel. Lots of good stuff on there. Even if the right. Mafia kit from Barry Wrestling, I think it's on there.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, it's Fantastic. Um, But would you say you could foresee the Zumba King maybe showing up in Barry Wrestling, maybe against Clay Wilson due to... I never know.
1: I never know. And in fact, the last show I was working for PWE in Oshawa about two months ago, and like two days before the show, he says, throw your Zumba King stuff in. We may need a wrestler. And I didn't know what was happening. And I get there, and I find out I'm t- tagging with um, Ron T. Legend and a real legend, Cody Diener. Oh, wow. You know, you've got Tyson Dukes, and you've got Cody Diener. Yeah, <laughs> Those are the two veteran best guys in Ontario. And Cody didn't know I was going to be wrestling that day, so he was ready to turn around and go home. <laughs> he wasn't too thrilled. We get in there and he was amazing. And he was so much he just went along with it, had fun. And by the end of it, we all did Zumba together. Ron T and me and Cody Diener. And of course, Ron T is, you know, shitting bricks because he's going, I'm tagging with Cody Diener. Like he was excited too. So that's the kind of stuff I love is when people are still excited about wrestling. And uh, we had so much fun doing that. But I mean, yeah, I tagged with this, you know, being and if so, you said, would I be in Barry Wrestling? It's up to the promoter. I mean, Sean, uh, you know, if he, if, you know, I'm certainly available to do it. And basically, I'm not gonna. Don't worry, I'm not gonna do a 20 minute, you know, Broadway or with anybody. I know about 10 moves, and I usually do about three. And um, but I, I do a lot of dancing, <laughs> so um, I'm, I'm I hope I'm a little bit of fun. Like I said, you you asked me who my favorite wrestlers were. There were always the entertainers, the Dusty Rhodes, the Tex McKenzie's, the, you know, uh, Chief J Strongbow. They were fun. All of them were great wrestlers, but they were fun. George Animal Steel, he was fun. He was fun to watch. So, and he was a teacher too.
0: I always loved the fun and like really out there characters. So even like everyone that you mentioned, but even like Undertaker or Kane, just something that was just like different it was yeah, well, orange like
1: it. cassidy i mean there, there's a big thing about him and, and i was reading a, a wrestler talking about him because i guess a lot of people give him a hard time and they give me a hard time or whatever because you're not a real wrestler and he just said have you ever tried to do anything with your hands in your pockets you know he's going this guy is one of the great athletes of all time he says to keep your balance to do moves with your hands in your pocket that takes a certain skill so, I mean, uh, you got to give him respect. And, and, and now I think now he's sort of showing a different side of himself and doing a lot of really good, just out and out wrestling. And uh, he does his gimmicks still, but he, you see him now, with the hands out of the pockets of doing, I mean, he's just a great athlete. And I, he's entertaining, it's funny. I, I love that kind of stuff. I mean, you look at him great. as an underdog, just like Dusty and everyone else in the, in the, in the, in the, the same way as Dusty did. You know, you never thought he'd win when he won the world title. I mean, people are crying. Wrestlers are crying. Um, same with Orange Cassidy. When he may, has his big break, you know, he's going to do something big in the future, I'm sure. It's going to be amazing because he's kind of the underdog. He doesn't, you know, he wins matches. He wins his share, but he's not, you know, he's not what you'd call the top wrestler. and He's not an MJF, you know, group or anything like that. So he's more of a, in my day, it was called a novelty. You know, Andre the Giant was a novelty when he came out. He was not a champion. He was just, he would come to each town he never belonged to any promotion. He just went, you know, around the world as a, you know, the little people are the same. You know, the midget wrestling was the same. They were a novelty. Women wrestling was a novelty. You know, that was a, you know, thing on the show. They would just, you know, wrestling is a circus. You got to have a little bit of everything.
0: Here, here's what I always say about Orange Casty is it, like the guy, if you can do a suicide dive with your hands in your pockets, and then not only that, do a kick up, back up like you it didn't even affect you and then you're just no. casually walking off
1: and it did affect him, I'm sure it's, it's just pure work yeah it's, it's pure practice and training and uh so i mean when you see the comedy wrestlers sometimes like santino morella it was a comedy wrestler now that was you know he backed into that i refed him when he was johnny giobasco in ontario um but uh he's a shoot fighter yep he's not a, he's not and, and i've met him many times I can name 20 wrestlers ahead of him that I would say be funnier. He's not a funny guy, but he made it. He he made the most of the opportunity he had. He got a gimmick and he used every skill he had. I have total respect for him, but he's a legit shoot fighter. That's why when you you know go to battle arts, which is his baby, even though he sold it, he's still quite involved. Oh, um, and and he, uh, he he can do the comedy, but if you go there, you're going to learn how to grapple you're going to learn how to really, really wrestle. You're not going to be learning frog kicks the first day, I'll tell you that right now.
0: That Um, school is incredible. I remember when Battle Arts first opened up and I actually saw the first Destiny show that was running through there. uh, I was just so floor smacked because he was letting everyone like look around and see the new facility and uh, everything. I was just, I was so floored with just the facility and just how he pretty much had sections for like, Everything. So it's just yeah. like you're you're a boxer. You're over here. There's an MMA cage over here. There's your training over here. Like it, and then there's like three other rings on top of the ring that he's using for the show. Yep. It's like, like there. There ad- I
1: am in ni- 1970, not knowing where to go to get a training, and now yeah. you got hey, take the subway and uh, learn how to train with the best, a former WWE wrestler. I mean, it's just the, the opportunities now are, are there for everybody. There's no excuse. If you want to be a wrestler, you can be. If you're athletic. To a certain extent, and yeah, you have the most important thing is the heart. Are you willing to go through hell? And you know, when you are a rookie, you are going to treat it, be treated like crap. You just are. I know what Travis went through. I know I was there, and the bigger guys were all picking on him and everything else. And uh, he's he just kept coming, and they had to give him respect. They had to. So I mean, it's all about heart, and uh, you know. We've said that over and over again today, but it's true. You need to be whatever you do there with your social media. You get abuse. You know, I certainly get abuse as a referee, from mostly from the wrestlers. Fans tend to like me. Promoters tend to like me. But the other wrestlers don't care for me. There's a bunch that don't really care for me because they don't understand why I'm I'm so old. I'm not one of these guys like Brad Myers is. He's the coolest ref because he's all their age. He drives in with all the wrestlers and everything. Um, and that's not no comment on Brad because I love Brad. But I'm um, just saying it's a little different for me because I drive myself. I go in and I'm 40 years older than most of these guys. I can't. I try to relate. I think I'm pretty with it. I mean, I am on TikTok and I was on Snapchat. I just got rid of that not that long ago. And I, I t- tweet and all that stuff, but not very often. But, um, I try to stay on top of things a bit, but uh, it's still not the same. That's why, I, you know, that's one of the reasons I like Travis too. I remember not that long ago being at a show and everybody was not shunning me, but it was like they were hacking around with their friends or anything. And Travis went out of his way to come over and sit and chat with me. And uh, so that's the Travis kind of guy be. he is. He's just a nice guy. So
0: See, for me, like, even, it, was, it was pretty much the same thing for me when I got into, like, I was the producer. Um, I'm just known as just the Gumby cosplayer for the last nine years. I just go around entertaining kids and just, like, go to conventions and events and stuff. like, I, that's what drove me. I never saw myself in, I, I mean, I wanted to always be in the wrestling business, but I never saw myself, um, at this particular point, uh, being a producer, I thought I was just going to eventually get into the ring and I still plan on getting into the ring, but, um, I always thought I was just going to be the Gumby thing. And then eventually wrestling will come about. Yeah. Um, so- and I
1: mean, it, it, It's it's, the wrestling business is interesting because I look at a guy like Matt Grant, who was on the last card, and um, he used to be a regular at Barry. And people don't know that because he was running the podcast. Yeah. And he started out with the podcast and he trained as a wrestler and easily the best referee in Ontario. Um, He had the size too, because you want to be small as a referee to make the wrestlers look big. I'm 5'10 ish and about 185 or something like that. And I dwarfed most of the wrestlers. That shouldn't be because when as I, like I said earlier, you couldn't even get into school without big 200 pounds. And I think the only wrestler I know who lied about his weight was probably Ricky Steamboat, who was about <laughs> like, 190, 195. Um, but that was a low, That was a small way. He looks tiny if you watch the wrestling. And he was a good 190. So wrestlers were 250. Two, Rick yeah. Flair was 235 at his at his highlight, but he started at 300. Nobody knows that. I have pictures. <laughs>
0: So I I was always seen as just the small fry. Like I'm just this 160 pound new guy. That's just doesn't, that has no business being in the business. And I had to kind of prove to not only the locker room, but really just the business in itself that I'm not just here for myself because I feel like a lot of producers are like that within wrestling where they're just, they're here to get their shot and then to get out. And like, like you said, they're trying to get like uh, with, other people they're trying to get themselves over on top right. of the talent. And that's never what it's been about with me. No. I always wanted to give just these guys a platform because I've always respected and loved these guys. Well, hopefully
1: your like work that. will get you over. That's the way I look at it. As, as my refereeing, I said, I've done it for 22 years. I'm still booked at 67 years old. I'm still booked. I've got two bookings at the end of the month, um, which is great at this during COVID. That's amazing that I got any booking and, um, uh, they still call me every so often. So I mean, until they stop still, the, when the phone stops ringing, then I'll, then I'll stop. But uh, as long as people want me, I'm going to do it as long as my health keeps up. But hopefully I've put myself over with my work, not with the little dancing beforehand and all that stuff. Um, hopefully being friendly helps, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's the work and it's the heart and the, you just got to keep at it and you realize there's always going to be haters. There's always going to be haters. If everybody loved you, it would be a boring world. So, um, yeah, you know, As I say, you know, guys like, you know, well, it doesn't matter, but I'm just saying I have heat with people and sometimes I don't know why I don't understand it, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, I still get booked.
0: <laughs> I, I, I get, I have the same thing. There's some people who just don't like me and still see me as just the Gumby cosplayer and everything, even yeah. though I've shown myself that I care and I love this business and I love what I do and I'm here for them. But yeah. um, you're always going to have that. So you just gotta figure out ways to just push through it and just you so. showing your your drive and how much you care. And that's what I continued to do. And for what I did with Barry, it did get me over. Now that I know, Alan has taken over the production roles and I'm more backstage with you guys. I take that more as opportunity. It takes me as an opportunity to not only get more personal on a basis with not only yourself, but others like Travis and Ron T and everyone and Clay Wilson and getting to know everyone a lot more. And I just, I love, I just love the business and just everything that we do and just, all aspects of it. And I just feel like if you love something and you have the passion, you have the drive for it, you push through the negativity, you push through at what people say, and you just keep doing what you're doing because, and show that you can. Yeah, and, and I, I agree, like,
1: like I appreciate the opportunity that Sean has given me to, you know, as, uh, as people know, I was I was never officially let go from Barry, but I just got stopped getting bookings uh, two years ago. And um, I got to admit, I was bitter and angry and butthurt and everything else. And, uh, Sean invited me in the summer and just out of the blue, just said, let's go for a coffee. So we went for a coffee and he told me some of his plans and I didn't know what to expect, but I sort of went, you know, this is, you know, I'm actually doing something that I've never done before. I'm not in my comfort zone yet. And, um, I don't know if the fans understand this, but being a face manager, like a good guy manager is really hard, you know, go out there, try to think, how many face managers do you know Not like managers many. of good guys so what do I do like um being a heel man- or a bad guy manager that's pretty easy to do I mean you just take your opponent and insult him it's great but now I've just you know I just try to say pro things about things. um I guess our main target right now is Clay Wilson who I've known since before he even trained and um he used to uh be a fan but he would do a little bumping before the shows at St. Catherine's and that was Mark House is a name that people would remember from the early days of Barry Wrestling came down from Buffalo and um, yeah so I mean I've known Clay forever so his change in personality and his change in attitude has really floored me so um, hopefully we'll get him on the side of right I would you know there's a couple I threw a couple of shots in there. From, uh, a couple of where I actually chopped him at another promotion um, because he just pissed me off so much, and he had done some stuff. And yeah, the, his the, the guys in the tag team held him down, and I gave him one. Felt really good too. I might have got a small fine
0: afterwards, but you
1: know <laughs> it was kind of worth it.
0: Uh, you know, it was a paycheck. Clay Wilson's attack on you and evidently also Jim Lowe was probably. The most heat I've ever heard a Barry audience ever give someone. And,
1: Bear, and, and Clay gets that everywhere he goes. He's just a, not a nice guy. And I don't know why, because he was a nice guy. And, and his, his, his ego has just blown out of proportion. And um, I would like the schoolyard um, to move on from Clay, to be honest. I mean, we need to you know, expand our horizons. And our big goal for 2022 is to start winning. I didn't come into this like Travis. You remember the very first time I made an appearance and, and Travis asked for my help. And I originally said, no, so I'm like, what do I know? And then he got me thinking and, and uh, maybe I do have something to offer and let's get him in the win call. He does win in other places in Ontario because he's working with people like his peers, the guys he trained with everything. So he wins one, they win one. But up in Barry, the talent doesn't like that. You yep. don't get a win over Ben Ortman's right away. Nope. You know, you work on that. I've worked yeah, with I work Ben. On he had a different name years ago. And, uh, you know, he, the match he had with Ben, and I keep going back to that match because it was the last full match he had in Barry Wrestling, uh, Travis. And it it was an eye-opener to me because I didn't know he could hang with a guy that big and that tough. And, and you know, Travis prides himself on being a striker, but you're going against Ben Ortmans, who may be the best striker in Ontario. So uh, just an ultimate match. And I think it showed people that, you know, Travis has it. He just needs that big win and, and he, he's going to get it with me. I'm going to help him. We're going to get it. And Ron T the same thing. We're going to be in there, whether we're a tag team or individuals, we're, this is our year. We've got nothing, but you know, right now we're sitting back and thinking, I know Travis is still working because there's so much shows going on in Hamilton area. So he's still, you know, I know he's training and hanging and banging. And I'm sure Ron T is too. I don't, I'm not in touch with Ron T as much. He's not a social media guy. So I, I can't keep in touch with him, but Travis, we talk, you know, every at least once a week about stuff and try to stay focused. And of course I am the man with the plan and I've got the plan. So we've just got to work it out and get, get in the ring. So uh, we're hoping that Barry wrestling has a show soon and uh, we can, you know, work on that plan and, Get a victory for the fans and
0: for Travis. So would you say that the plan in 2022 is for the schoolyard to get gold? I think, I think that's reaching. I think we need to get a win. We need to get a win first. We are, you know,
1: in, you know, like, as I said, the wrestlers and Barry, their main events everywhere, you know, Fuerza is a main event anywhere in Ontario. Vertigo. John Atlas, Mark Wheeler. We didn't even mention him. He's a superstar to me. He's he, to me, he's the next big thing. Um, You, everybody there is a main event wrestler. Travis isn't. He's a mid card. Ron T is a mid card wrestler. Let's be honest. And to defeat a top would do so much for their career. There aren't anybody really at Travis's level there. They're, They're all, you know, rated way higher. And, and, and Travis, still gives his all in every match. And Ron T is kind of new to Barry. You know, he's been in a couple of matches, but he's given it all. Same with Clay Wilson. I mean, he's proven to people that his horrible style is working. And I want to prove that you can be good and nice to people and still win matches. It's all about, you know, it's off. We go back to it again. It's all about heart. It's all about trying. Who wants it more? And I know Travis is hungry right now. He is hungry, hungry. He's done well in this Hamilton area. He's, He's won belts, but he hasn't done Things up in Barry and Barry's right. where it's at that's where wrestlers want to come yep. they want to go to Barry to prove themselves if you get a title in Barry you get a you can you can work anywhere in Ontario that's the truth
0: and and what makes it even more interesting is uh Travis and forza have been working everywhere, including uh, crossbody's last showcase show yep so this makes it kind of interesting because Forza is now the world heavyweight champion at Barry so um it's going to be very interesting to see how you guys develop over 2022. And once you start picking up W's where that leads, because now we even have Puff and Ricky proclaiming that they are the tag team champions, even though Sean says it's not official, but they say it's official. So everything's starting to heat up a little bit. Well, I you like- know, I,
1: I think Ron T we haven't worked together very much with Ron T, but Travis and Ron T I think could be a real combination and, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, You got three pistols in there. You got a lot of championships. So you never know. I mean, who's, you know, we'll do our best, whatever match we get. But we want to wrestle. Travis, unfortunately, missed a few shows. So we we lost a little bit of steam there. But we're, you know, the last show, we got right back up there and surprised the fans by making an appearance. I didn't know he was going to be there. So that was exciting for me as well. I didn't even, to be honest, until I got there, I didn't even know he was going to be there. Um, Great joy for me and we were just disappointed that there's been a lull in the fairy wrestling for a little bit stupid covid
0: <laughs> so i would like to ask though do you see the schoolyard maybe expanding past not only just ron t and travis but introducing maybe a female into the fact into the you faction never know what's gonna happen you really don't i mean as i said three months ago you would have knocked
1: me over with a feather if you told me i was gonna be a manager. <laughs> um, but when you had Travis and you had that sincere, honest moment, and it's a picture, I don't know who took it the picture of me and the hug and with, with him. And that was a sincere moment. I wasn't expecting it. He wasn't expecting it. it just happened. And tears are going down both of our faces because we do have feelings for each other in that, you know, I'm pa, I'm his dad. I mean, I, that's well, his granddad, I guess. And um,
0: that's how it felt at December, he, I just
1: I'm so proud of his progress. You know i've seen him since the very beginning so i mean the progress he's made is just amazing and ron t is my new best friend and uh, we we just you know one of those you know just people that you meet and you just well like you you just meet people and you go yeah we're going to be friends like there's wrestlers that i meet and i've met, known them for 10-15 years nothing there's no relationship whatever it's just a job but there's guys you just go in and you just go I have a bit of a sense of humor. I like to joke around a bit. A lot of wrestlers don't like that. They're serious guys. And I go, no, 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 this is wrestling. We're, you know, as Jake O'Reilly once said to me, we're a bunch of guys wrestling around in our underwear. So I thought that brought it down a lot. (laughs) Because he was really mad at me and yelled at me, everything. And he, he apologized to me saying, I can't believe I get so mad at this. He takes it seriously, but he goes, basically we're a bunch of guys rolling around the ring in underwear. And I thought that was the best way to describe wrestling I'd ever heard. And I thought that was so funny. And so, so big of him to, you know, you know, say that, you know, uh, oops, you know, I got a little mad there. I shouldn't have, Um, but you know, it's just an exciting time right now where, you know, like you say, adding a female, adding someone else, to be honest, it hasn't really crossed my mind, but you got me thinking now because you know when Alexia comes back, and you get Jody in every so often.
0: You know we we'll got see Nova what now happens. too. <laughs> Who so, is that? I'm sorry. And you got uh, you got Nova as well too. So like oh, you know, Nova's great. and yeah, she's uh, Addie's back as well. So the the roster's starting to to pick up. So you you got a lot of choices that you can add into the. You got to remember, out. I've been out
1: for two years, so I don't quite know the roster as well. I wish I could say I followed Barry a lot during that time, other than. Reading the odd account, I really haven't, so I don't know all the things that have happened, all the little things. And uh, but I know all of the wrestlers there, and um, um, some of the girls that have come out and are, uh, are watching the shows every uh, every show may not have appeared yet, and uh, so I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of female talent in Ontario right now. It's a good period. Like there was a period there that was pretty weak, but right now it's, it's just getting to stronger up. and stronger. And of course, my buddies off the ropes in Kitchener. Uh, Cambridge area, they also are, are, are featuring girl wrestlers. So um, that's giving, throwing them a shout out to them because I want to make sure I don't miss any training people. So if you're in the Cambridge region, off the ropes are you know, Jeff Black and Vanessa Douglas are amazing trainers. So that would be another great place to think of.
0: But. What, that's the one thing that really frustrates me as a producer. And I hear it from a lot of other promoters or just other producers as well, where they just say women in Ontario just don't draw. Or they just, um, they're not good enough. And I just don't agree with that because here's the thing, how is someone supposed to get better if you don't give them the opportunity?
1: Well, that's true. And I think, I think probably what the promoters are saying, at least in my experience is the all lady shows. Yeah. Um, they don't draw as well as some do. I've, we've tried it with 365 pro and it did. Okay. And actually I did one that was, that was fairly successful, which was the first time I got to referee Nova, but, um, it, it, it's, it's a new thing, and people are, are right now. As I said earlier, in 2000, there was four or five promotions in all of Ontario. If I went back to the 70s when I watched wrestling, you had Maple Leaf Gardens, yep. you had the Wild Man doing his tours, and there wasn't much else.
0: That's it. So right
1: now we are so spoiled with so many shows that we can pick and choose. And if you live in the Toronto area you can go to Hamilton, you can go to Barry, you can go to, I mean, they're all close enough that you can go. So um, it, it's hard to have an all ladies show. It'd be like having an all digit show. Um, it'd be like having, you know, you, you have to, have, like I said earlier, but, but you know, an all, all tag team show. I complained the other day and I got, I got flamed on, online because I didn't like AW, AEW last week. And people yeah. said, why didn't you like it? And I said, because there was too many multi-man matches. Then the only singles match they had, they had my girl, Thunder Rosa, who came from the NWA, um, yep. against Jane Jade Cardill, who's a great wrestler, Cargill, but she's green. Yes, yeah, she is. And it was a good match. Thunder Rosa had it in control, and then there was outside interference, and it just screwed the whole match up. That was the singles match that I saw.
0: Yeah, that was the only like, Otherwise, match. it was
1: all multi-man. And, and the problem is, some of those matches were, were good. But all of, one of the most, the greatest invention in professional wrestling today on TV is the fast forward. button. yeah, and I went through a lot of fast forwarding on that show, which was disappointing because it had been so good up until that week. But I just, there was just every match was multi-man. And, you know, like you said, there's a psychology to uh, tag team wrestling. You can't do it three matches in a row. The whole You're idea the same is, things. You have a singles match, you have a ladies match, you have a tag match, you have, you know, battle royal, you have a whole bunch of different things. That makes right, it a great card. Life. But, you know, and then, the, you know, anything more than two against two in a tag team match, it, it does become chaos after a while. And it's, it's, you know, I'm not a big fan of the flippity floppity flyers. Um, but if they're done well, then it's great. But when everybody's doing this flippity floppy flying and doing pile drivers, dives out the thing and nobody's getting the pin and you got
0: to. What I can't stand in a multi-man match and AEW, I find has this really bad problem with is whenever there's like four or five people in a match, they'll always do a spot where everyone's getting up from from outside the ring and then someone dives on top of them. Oh, yeah. Every match. And it's just when you see it two or three times a show it starts to take think that, a little bit. Of it.
1: that's what i meant do i love the talent yes do i love tony khan yes do i think you know uh do, do i think i was doing a good job i think he's doing an amazing job but yeah, there's a criticism and his referees i mean you have to have rules and once in a while yeah. i find his ref. the nice thing is on the one side he names his referees you know their names
0: it's cool. It's really cool You're not allowed. You're not allowed
1: that. to say the names of a WWE referee.
0: Oh, like Aubrey? You've a- never I heard Daryl
1: Sharma being used as Daryl Sharma. You've never heard, you know, back in the day with Jimmy Corderas. Yes, but nowadays it's a, it's a policy. They don't name their referees. Maybe the older ones like Robinson and a few of those. Um, but I mean, there's some what? great refs
0: there. When, when was the last ref? To get like ch- like chance in arenas like Aubrey gets almost every week. In well, in,
1: Hornet in, got one in Barry. I'll tell you that. Yeah. the Barry fans went up there and we we supported him. And I remember he was so embarrassed because everybody yelled Hornet. Um, but he and he loved every minute of it. You could tell. But uh, you're right. And Aubrey's a I think she's a good ref. She's not my favorite. Um, I find her a little dramatic. I find yeah, her a moves a little you know. But I mean. You can criticize me too. It's just a personal taste thing. Bryce was a referee, very local in, in Toronto a lot when UWA was around, um, with the shows that nobody knew about, um, with Ultimate Dragon and all these great wrestlers, Larry Sweeney and all that. Uh, out in Mississauga, Bryce came down because he refereed with Shikara. Uh, Rick Knox, we were friendly online. I didn't realize he was famous. You know? <laughs> he would write me. It we tend to write to each other and you know ask for advice and stuff. So I didn't know he was famous. Uh, so that was cool to see him. The other one was the head referee for ROH, Turner. And um, the fifth referee is out of my head right now. And I can't think who it is. But um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to know their names. So you can actually say this ref's better at this, this ref's better than that. But they don't seem to have a consistent guideline of rules where Daryl says in WWE, it is very strict. And yeah. he was teaching us some of the moves there. But it's was like, um, I noticed one of the things I hate about refing tag teams is the five count inside. You know, they have five seconds to be in the ring together. Yeah. Well, no offense, flight or fight being
0: specific. You can't
1: have 30 seconds in there.
0: Yeah. No, it's too much. And
1: they do these, you know, planned spots and everything else. And it's indie wrestling and indie wrestling is different than WWE ref wrestling. And, uh, you know, I learned to live with it. So you'll see me, people will say, you're not enforcing the rules. I'm saying, I'm just going with the flow, man. I will do whatever rules you want me to do. If it's a main event, you will very seldom see me count out anybody. I'll, I'll give them every chance to finish the ring because fans want to see a finish in the ring in a main event. So that's my only real loosey, loosey-goosey thing I do. And I probably, I'm sure fans have figured that out by now. But other than that, you know, sh- you know if you just count into five, you should be out of there.
0: You should, should so, be out of there. I mean, that there. rule
1: hasn't really changed.
0: And I mean, it's even uh, during the seminar, like with Evil Uno, he even discussed like the the importance and how much it bugs him. Even at AEW, when it doesn't happen, where like, and he even called out shots where he was just like, he hates it when he sees Pentagon and Ray Phoenix not following the five the five second rule. It, Thank it, you, Evil him. Uno.
1: That's exactly who I was talking about.
0: <laughs> it bugs him. And I yeah. agreed with it. I, it bugs me too. I don't like when I see when they can't just get their spot in, get out. Like you're, yeah. you're taking the piss with it and it doesn't help that the referee- Well, the whole is the right
1: idea player. is, and, and I'm going off kayfabe now because I've been sort of in most of the show. <laughs> um, it's all about heat. Yeah. And you know how you create heat? Have strict rules. Exactly. You know how to create heat more? Break the rules behind the referee's back not in front of his face.
0: Uh, it's so I remember bad. I did
1: a match, and yes I'm name dropping. I did a match and it was in Hanover, Ontario, and the guy was choking right in front of me and laughing at me. And then instead of, you know, getting the headlock and pulling him around and then doing it so that the fans see it, but I don't, that creates heat. Yeah. The guy, the name dropping was it was Ricky Steamboat, who was the manager, and he reamed everybody after the matches. He said, oh, yeah. how dare you make that referee look so bad? He said, you know, you he, he said, you ruined the whole match. He was fuming. Oof. And he was, you know, he's, he's just, he was so wonderful to work with. Um, his big thing was, would you guys get over the fact about winning? He said, <laughs> it's wrestling. He says, can you name me the biggest loser in professional wrestling today? And they were all going, who? He says, I was. He says, I wrestled wrestled Ric Flair 500 times. I won three times. He says, I think I'm exaggerating by two. So, you know, and he's doing it lightly and fun, but he was going, I lost so many times it wasn't funny. Have any of you heard of me before? And everybody went, well, yes, of course, you're Ricky Steamboat. He says, yeah. And I was basically a loser. I didn't win a lot. But he says, I made it effective and we had good matches and Flair knew what to do. He could get heat so that I looked great, (laughs) but I didn't win but people don't remember that they just know what a great match it was and how much fun it was and how exciting it was. And, um, so I learned a lot from Ricky Steamboat, but he got so mad because people were breaking the rules in front of the referee, bring it around, hide it from me. Um, let me find it, you know, I'll find it eventually, you know, if you're, you know, holding the ropes during an abdominal stretch, I'm going to find it eventually. I'll see the ropes move eventually, but, if you're just doing it in front of me, that's just dumb. And, and you, you lose a lot of the heat. You don't want to put the heat on me. And that's what happens a lot. You put the heat on the referee. Well, you've kind of lost the match now because you're not you're the bad guy that should be getting the heat, not me. So that, that, that's my, my editorial about refereeing in 2021. <laughs>
0: Well, it does, it doesn't help too that that it leads the commentary team to try to justify it, but everyone in the fans can't hear the commentary. So, well, I think that's why you the, hear
1: Jim Ross. I think I think Jim Ross is I don't know if he's burnt out or whatever, but he gets tired. He gets tired. Oh, of it. He's, he
0: you, he's vocal. He's very he's vocal. vocal about it,
1: yeah. and Tony Schiavone he, he goes with the flow. He's he's just a great broadcaster. He may be my favorite, my son's favorite for sure. But
0: uh, honestly, Tony and Jr are honestly like a dream team like that's oh, a, that's are. a team that you would never ever expect to ever like because it's it's two crossing like like two lines that i watched fight like for rating supremacy when i was like three four years old and packed yep. in front of my television and just watching throughout my entire childhood of these well two... i mean
1: they forget that that they're both broadcasters yeah and, and jim ross was a referee believe it or not and uh Tony Schiavone is a, is a baseball announcer. Like he never stopped announcing from WCW on. He's a, he, he, refer, he, he does a lot of announcing, period. But wrestling's his love, and as is uh, Jim Ross's. So that, they're amazing together. Excalibur reminds me of Mike Tenay back in the TNA days where you know he has that great knowledge, and, and I didn't realize that he was a wrestler at one point, and uh, he knows the inside and outside. Because guys like Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, and old school, I don't know what the hell the na- names, of the moves are anymore. You know, you know, I'm doing a flippity whoop whoop-de-doo, and I go, well, show me what it is, because I have no idea what that is. I don't know. I can't keep up. You got Japan wrestling. You got you know the the indie states wrestling. So I don't know these moves, and I don't think a lot of the older guys do know moves. Even the older wrestlers. If you're in your 30s, if you're in your 30s as a wrestler, you probably don't know all the moves anymore.
0: I commend someone. So I commend someone who knows all the moves because it's just insane. The amount of wrestling we have nowadays. Yeah, absolutely. We're
1: overexposed to be honest. I'd like to see less, better wrestling to be honest in Ontario.
0: I love it too. Like uh, even, even in uh, when I went up to Edmonton, I had guys like uh, Leo London would be telling me uh, he feels Ontario is too oversaturated. And I could see that in some senses where we are a little bit now it's, great in a sense that well everyone can get work because there's so many promotions for people to work and there is that but there's also uh there's a thing called qu- uh quanti- quantity over quality or quality yeah and the nice quantity. the nice thing about
1: barry wrestling is we really don't have a lot of competition
0: yeah well, we, so we really if don't you're going anything. if you can only
1: afford to go to barry wrestling or you're just you can't drive or whatever um it, it, you're getting the best wrestling in ontario you know you drive an hour you can go to collingwood and see Rock Solid, which is a great show as well, but I don't find that they're really competition. Um,
0: you can so, go I mean, to Cambridge and go to Crossbody, but again, yeah. Ben is not competition, and he does it nope. a lot for charity. But, but they
1: so. are competition with in that area. They're competition with 365 Pro. Yeah, um, I'm friends with everybody. I don't care. I don't. I don't <laughs> believe in things like that. But I know, you know, if I worked for Crossbody, I'd probably lose my job at, at 365 um Oshawa I was offered two jobs there, not that long ago against with two promotions that I love but they have competition I know young blood is going to start our young love is going to start <laughs> a promotion there too and so yeah, I mean it's two choose. it's a small town you can't have three promotions in one town. Hamilton has four thousand promotions um down in St. Catharines Way there's a couple and then they compete against each other so it just it's it's tough and and, and I want guys to work I mean, it's the only way you get better and of course we can't go down to the states so um the only other option is going to go back in those places and then you get great competition there because their wrestlers are great as well. But um, yeah, it's, it's tough for, you know, you want to wrestle, but you've you got to realize that eventually it's going to hit a peak where people just are going to stop not coming. And, and that's too bad. But I think Barry's good because we don't, you know, it's not like that here. We're not oversaturated with wrestling. So um, I think, you know, the the numbers are just going to keep rising. But, I mean, we were starting out when I first worked with uh, Sean, um, we were drawing, you know, forty people, fifty people, and I was the only referee. And um, you know, we we worked hard to shows. make, yeah. And, and you see the, those those shows. I remember we worked the Spotlight Theater over in Eliza Road or someplace. Um, Barry's just gotten better and better and better, and that, that all has to do with Sean and Jim and and the crew there. I mean, I I, I can't take any credit for it because I don't do any organizing it is so much fun being there now because I get to see it from the other side. And um, I actually sit back with the promotion stuff and I, I, I try to keep my mouth shut. The first rule of wrestling ears open, mouth shut. And uh, you'll hear that from everybody. And it's the truest words ever. And I'm 22 years in, I still do that. I shut my ears and listen. And that's how you learn stuff. And, you know, you listen to stories. I love hearing stories of, 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 you know, what they do to promote a match or what they do to put people together or why they did it. Um, it makes, it's, it's great i I
0: love stuff like that the pandemic was the greatest and worst thing to happen to very wrestling because it was really scary and we didn't know what was going to happen but it also when i got in we all came together and we were like how much fun can we do and what can we do with this situation that we have and you saw we were able to produce multiple shows just with no crowds and we yeah. took that as an opportunity to have fun. And yeah. since the crowds came back, we've I feel like we've only taken that attitude and brought it towards the fans and just like, look how much fun we're having and just kind of show yeah. that that And you see Barry sometimes. Barry gives
1: back to the fans a lot. So that's one of the things that they do that maybe some promotions haven't figured out yet. Um they certainly they're their their VIP uh, portions of the show. Um they do a lot of things right. And even when I wasn't with them. Um, Sean needs to know I promoted them all over the place because I was like, you know, I know I'm not with them and I'm pissed off that I'm not working, but you know what? It's a great promotion, and I said the best wrestlers in Ontario are there on a regular basis. And um, what can you say? I mean, uh, it, from the music, from Shelly on the music to Jim Lowe the announcer, and um, it's just it's just a it's a team that it, it, it stays the same. A lot of promotions you know where's the music guy oh it's a different guy or hey can you do music or but you know you know who it's going to be in barry it's consistent the social media guy like yourself
0: we we um, all have a place there's
1: there's a big change now but we've all got our you know little place there and i think that's what happened i think um with john there and and brad there i think that's what happened they had to make a choice one of you know and i'm getting tons of work so i don't think you know sean thought that it was a big deal really because it's just you know it's just another promotion it was a big deal to me because I've never been let go from a promotion before so that was kind of new to me and, and and I you know I you know I got butthurt about it but you know you anyway. get over it and then I mean I'm still friends with everybody uh, everybody I mean if I, I saw Sean a million times during those two years bumping into him and it was hi how's it going hey,
0: look, no I, feelings that way, I was a little butthurt when when I was told that Alan was 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 taking my place on the actual production shows. I mean, yeah. I was quite frankly pissed off. Um, like yeah. this is everything that I worked for, for two years. And I loved filming everyone like Travis and Mark and just getting to know it and just, it was what I, what I did through the entire pandemic and what I've built my whole yeah. life around. So I was bitter and I was a little mad when that happened to me as well. But, um, you, you kind of go with those kind of decisions and just, well, you got to stand back and real,
1: I think at my age, you realize you got to stand back and, you know, it's cliche to say, and I hate being a meme, a human meme, but when one door closes,
0: another one opens. And that's really kind of what I saw it as is. Yeah, I, and that's
1: what happens. I mean, I never thought I was going to My whole idea of repping was, you know, i met the C I did, you know, anywhere from, I think my first year I did 19 matches. The next year I did, you know, 30 and the next year i did 60 and it was like okay to see any that things over so i guess that's it for me <laughs> that was that that was it yay i got the ref and then um coincidentally it was uh, a very the very promoter before raw uh before sean but I, I was in orangeville and i was watching a show and it was um the main event was tid who everybody knows and um I mentioned him earlier, my friend uh, Dave Linton um, as L'Artiste, I believe. And um, against, I believe it was Mikey Madrox, who you may not know, but he actually comes to the Barry shows a fair amount because he was a really good friend of Cornet. And um, his partner was New Jack. Yes, that New Jack. (laughs) This was in Orangeville, I believe. It could have been Collingwood, but it was one of those places. And they had a 19 year old in there refing. Who I could tell had never refed a day in his life. Oh no! <laughs> and there's a match, Santino Marella is doing one of his matches when he was Johnny Vasco, and he's a shoot fighter, so he's doing it. I'm going, this is a little out of control. And you know, I've only refed, you know, I've never been trained. I've just worked, you know, maybe a hundred matches with, you know, AWF. It wasn't even called that then; it was just Ron Hutchison's show. And then I went up to the promoter, Chris Drury, and said. I'm, I'm a referee kind of, I said, you know, I've I've done a few matches and um, I mean, look at my face. I've got that mature look. So, I mean, I I think I look like a ref and um, and I do have my stuff in the car. Number two rule of wrestling, always have your stuff in the car. And um, he said, Oh, okay. But, and he never got back to me and intermission came, other match went on. So if there's seven matches, I guess we're in match number, you know, three or four. And the 19-year-old was laughing at the crowd and having fun with his buddies. And finally, Chris taps me on the shoulder and says, You got your stuff in the car, right? Yep. So my first comeback match was New Jack. (laughs) I'd never done a hardcore match in my life. But it was, it started a new career. And that's, you know, like you say, one door closes, nope, there's no more (laughs) wrestling because AWF went under, and there's no more AWF and no more, you know, Ron Hutchison promoting and a door opens well then i'm doing one of the shows not getting paid which i'm sure you can relate to um (laughs) and it makes me mad at refs i have young refs coming up and asking me how much you know how much should i ask for and i'm going um nothing nothing (laughs) i didn't get paid for the first three or four years Um, maybe even more maybe five years and um so a promoter saw me from peterborough (laughs) Would you drive out to Peterborough? Sure. I go out there. I found out I'm the only ref. So it was the first time I got to referee Sean Spears, Cody Diener, you know, all these big names, Ruffy Silverstein, all these biggest names in Ontario. And I'm going, okay, I'm not really ready for this. But it seemed to work out because I got asked back. And uh, that's how it started. Then somebody else sees you. And so one door shuts and everything. I never expected to ref more than 2000 to 2003. And how many years later, almost 20 years later, I'm still doing this. And people, and every so often, you get a new promoter who says, "You I'd love to have you, you. know, Now the wrestlers come up to me and go, you know the first show I ever went to? You were the referee? Oh my God, I just want to kill myself. But uh, you know, I'm a little old now. That's when I left teaching, is when the kids said, you taught my mom. Nah. All right, just shoot me now. Get me a gun. <laughs> so, yeah, you, you get your hint.
0: Uh, like. I, oh, <laughs> I love that well old school we've been like i i swear the time flies when you're having great conversations we've been talking for almost two hours about 20 minutes now it's been about 20 minutes right <laughs> it's been about 20 minutes but well, i want to end this off with um a conversation that we were actually having before we started this podcast that you're wanting to elevate the nice hard-working mid-level workers in the uh in the province and i'd love to kind of get your insight on how important it is for you for not only just the mid-level worker in Ontario, but just in wrestling in general, because there's just so many people that just care about the main event or they care about one particular section of the show, but they don't realize that the mid card literally holds the whole show together.
1: Oh, absolutely. You get, I mean, there's some, I mean, I, I don't want to name too many names. I don't, I mean, I don't know if this is predominantly a Barry show. Um, there's a wrestler named Tyler Arrow and I don't believe he's wrestled Barry yet. but this guy Has gone from lowest of lows that nobody's heard of, and he's raised himself up into high mid level, if not low top level wrestling, just by hard work and stuff and exposure. Um, and this is a guy who's passionate, and you know, certainly, um, uh, Travis knows him very well. But I'm just saying, that's the kind of thing that I love seeing. I love seeing a guy like Sean Spears work his way, you know, he didn't really work his way up too much because he was pretty well at a high level, Mike Elgin. Uh, I know he had some issues with the Me Too you know thing. I don't want to talk about it too much. Other than the fact, we'll just stay on this focus. I repped him when he was 16. Oh wow! And he never, he always was at a high level, and he took it seriously. And to see him move his way up, RJ City, we have been together since the very beginning. Um, so to see these guys become stars is probably one of my favorite things to do. I don't know how much effect I can have on that, but it is my favorite thing to do. So there's so many great wrestlers out there. Clay Wilson, I mean, he he's he's going to main event very eventually. And it's all oh, because definitely. of his hard work. For His hard work and people, sincerely, when you could pull me out of Walmart and, and say I was going to jump in the ring, that's old school heat. People don't get heat like that anymore. People don't, you know, it's sort of like, oh, this is part of this... No, with Clay, they really hate him. They really hate him.
0: Like it's crazy. And they crazy. really
1: hate him. And they want to, you know, they want him to be punished. And and I think, you know, so I'm helping a lot of people in that way. Um, I don't mean to help you, Clay, but I, in some ways, I am because you know, to you know, have heat, you got to have a good, you know, protagonist and whatever. And you know, I'm fairly well liked in Barry. So him, the idea that he attacked me, Travis is well liked, and the idea that he attacked Travis.
0: Oh, it's the perfect storm. Yeah, like everything. Yeah, came it, together it, it, in it's that a, it's
1: an emotional event. It's a roller coaster, and uh, yeah, so that, that's a big thing for me. And I, I hope we can do more of that. And uh, you know, uh, I, as I say, I don't know my role yet. Three months ago, I didn't even know that I was going to be doing this. So everything keeps
0: changing. Although <laughs> I'm the
1: man with a plan, I don't have a total plan yet. I mean, I uh, you know, i, 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 I I'm trying to work on that. But anything I can do to help anybody. You know young love is another one who I've known as a fan for years and you know he made his debut in Barry and uh, he's just a great wrestler and I great you know I knew him as a thirteen year old kid with his buddy Noah and they'd come to all the shows everywhere all over Ontario and that's also really cool when you see these fans and uh, um, Wade and I'm trying to remember his wrestling name he was in Barry. Uh, baseball now, gimmick, big guy we yeah, have way now okay um, I've known him since he was a fan in the crowd or we were buddies we would take picture selfies together and stuff and you knew he was interested and that kind of thing so that's kind of my favorite thing is to see these guys you know make it or everything and I love seeing the fans that are regular fans you know the guys that just come all the time. Ray Osborne from Hamilton who comes to Barry every month.
0: John McHale who's uh, in front row
1: every. Frank moment. from Oshawa who comes to Barry every month. There's a bunch of people that come, and I know them from other shows. You know, we're all friends too. So, um, you know, Bob Kapoor who writes from Slam. That's a guy I used to go for coffees with. He was, we were both fans, and now he's one of the head writers for Slam. Dot whatever it's called. Dot ca, the best wrestling site in Ontario. Like, like, if you like. You know all the if you want report of all the wrestling Slam, I have no ties with them, but they uh i used to I used to go to wrestling shows with Greg Oliver, who started Slam, so I mean, I knew him i uh, we went to a, a fan thing in Chicago when he was seventeen years old, so you know um you know now he's the biggest name in you know media in wrestling, so I mean you know I, I've seen us all sort of grow up together in wrestling, and that's our big common bond so
0: The mid card is super important. And it can one day lead to the main event and it leads to the next generation. And that's why we need people like yourself who pushes that mid card. So then they have an opportunity and an outlet to really get out there and get their names out there. And I really appreciate everything that you do. Honestly, um, I said it before, like even with the stuff with Travis, I feel like you're both personal in and out of the ring. And that's what makes you such a great manager and what's going to continue to make you. A great manager is just the fact that it's just you you care. And the fact that you care really goes a long way because guys, there's not enough people who care. Um, I've met so many people in this industry, like in in and out that I've worked with who just simply were just there for the check or just there just for if the you're motion. in
1: wrestling whatsoever, the big word is ego. Yeah. And I have nowhere to go. <laughs> You know, I you know the last thing I did, the biggest thing I did probably of my career was only like four years ago, and that was uh, Tommy Dreamer's House of Hardcore, and I did that, and it didn't end up being one of his better ones. But in the meantime, I got to referee MJF and a bunch of people, you know, Alex Baldwin who's down there and, um, But I mean, the whole idea is I don't have the ego. You know, if wrestling ended tomorrow, I can go back here for your Patreon guys who actually are watching. <laughs> you know, here is my every match i've ever wrestled ref Reed, is over 2000 amazing. i've got every single one marked down i have had a super fan in uh, southern ontario named sean sexsmith i have my own action figure thank you <laughs> and he's made me actually three of them but that's a funko one that i love it's sort of my favorite and uh so he does that i mean i could end tomorrow i've refereed a tna world championship four-way match with samoa joe jeff jarrett rhino and sabu
0: um success isn't always money you know
1: i've refereed you know uh, tomorrow if it ends i've done it everything i've done way more than a 45 year old should have done who's now 67 way more so i can't ask for anything more um everything else is just gravy i'm a manager gravy this is amazing like let's see how far this goes you know i'm i'm in good shape I, i i figure i'll be 80 or 90 when i'm you know retired no, I don't actually see myself retiring. My wife has given me permission to die in the ring.
0: So <laughs> success is what you make it. Sometimes success exactly. isn't always just about a dollar sign. I mean, I never thought I was going to be in the wrestling business. And even if it ended all tomorrow, I'd be happy because I gave a platform for so many individuals. And look at where they are now. And like I'm happy and to have given Barry a platform that now gave them the indie promotion of the year they are able to go different ways and people are talking about them i feel and like and I and there's obviously job. new
1: there's obviously new media people which i don't know really the politics of Barry wrestling even i'm not there long enough but um if they made that then a lot of that is due to you because the promoting from barry the video the, the social media um, contacts from Barry obviously is reflects on you, well, well,
0: who, you know. who, who you met last month is actually my replacement. So for the last two years, it's all been me. So yeah. I'm the one that was always shooting the shooting the shows and I was always going home. And then editing. Well, I'm going to say it, it's
1: more than a coincidence that you know, Barry is the best promotion. The year that I come back.
0: Just say <laughs> I busted my ass to make it right here.
1: Way. No ego here. <laughs> but it is a coincidence i come back win the promotion of the year
0: and my and my face lit up the moment i saw you come in because i remember the first person that came up to me that day was yourself sir and i really appreciate that and we have kept it, it they off high everybody then. <laughs> say hi to everybody because you never
1: know they could be the you know president's son you don't know you're gonna meet all these guys as they go up the ladder on the way down too so yeah exactly
0: there. exactly well, let's go. Out. Thank you so much for coming on today. Like, this has been such a great conversation. I may have to split this episode into two episodes, to be honest with you. Uh, well, yeah, well, this, isn't the, this isn't the only time I'm going to be on. Oh, right? you're definitely going to be coming back. Uh, Yay. But I always end my podcast and basically all my content because um, with a little bit of a Gumby quote, because like I said, I grew my audience and everything off of uh, my Gumby thing. And the thing he always says is stay flexible. And I kind of took that as a stay flexible in your life in your health and everything that you do, because if you don't have flexibility in your life, then you lose balance. When you lose balance, the negativity brings you down and it's harder to get back into the positive. So I'd like to know, what are the three things in your life that keep you flexible in your life, health, and everything that you do?
1: Well, that's a good one. uh, You didn't prepare me for this, so I don't know what to say. Uh, What keeps me flexible? Um, I think I'm young at heart. Um, I, I hang with young people and people my age, and I think that gives me a, a an outlook different than my my friends, uh, an outlook better than different than my friends because, you know, oh, get off my lawn, kid. I, I just never was like that. That's like I'm more of the young kids out playing ball hockey. I'm OK. Can I play? Um, it, I think that's probably the thing. Um, if you make other people feel good about themselves, life's better for everybody. Um and don't, I think probably the biggest thing for me is don't be afraid of getting laughed at. TikTok has proved that to me. I love to dance. I love to do too much booty in the pants. And I, that's just fun for me. And I don't, my, my people think that I am so crazy. that uh, They think I'm crazy doing wrestling. They're going, are you nuts? Of course, every time I invite them, I end up getting cut open or something. But um, yeah, just be fun. And I want to tell you something. You're trying to end this podcast, but I'm going to tell you how I end podcasts. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to promote myself.
0: Yes, I was actually going to Find ask me you. at
1: Eddie Old School. Eddie Old School on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, read my stories because that's where I usually do my wrestling stuff. Um, as well, I'm TikTok or uh, what do you call it? Twitter. I don't, I'm don't. i not going to promote that. I think I'm Eddie Old School on YouTube. And there's lots of my stuff where I'm actually wrestling or refing a big match. Um, and I think that's all my... Oh, of course, TikTok is... Eddie old school one, two, three. And on that note, I am old school and old school's out of there. One, two, three.
0: That's it. So that's it for my interview with old school. And I want to thank him once again for coming on this podcast. I want to thank you for listening to this two part interview. Um, Like I said, season two, new year, new season. And I want to get even more interviews than I did last year. And I want to make the season bigger than last season. So I'm hoping you guys are looking forward to what I have coming next. And you can tune into all my social medias. Which most of those social medias are at Ontario Gumby. But on Twitter it's OG Curtis Rich. And of course if you want to support me and get this podcast early. You can join me on Patreon.com slash Curtis Rich. I have a lot of great content on there. And it only costs you a dollar. Only one dollar. So do, join us. Like, There's there's so much great stuff on there. And of course, if you want to support me as well, you can get your Where Is My Mind merchandise on ClayStore.net. We've also got so much coming on claystore.net and I got I'm I'm keeping quiet on a lot of it but I'm going to be announcing that soon not only on this podcast but my social media so tune in on my social medias on that and once again if you want to check out OIW podcast network you can check them out on oiwpodcastnetwork.com there's so many great shows on there a lot of my good friends and co-workers are on there and of course my show's on there as well and I want to thank them once again for hosting us and of course You stay flexible in your life, your health, and everything you do. Let's make 2022 awesome. Take care.